almost for the last 10 years, I've really thought that if you try hard enough, you can make change. Right, I don't feel like Cornersmith has been a failure by any means, but I do feel like, I was like, I really thought I could change things and I don't, I now don't feel like that. We are kicking off a new series on Dirty Linen today and we are asking a big question. That question, is hospitality broken? We really hope the answer is no, but there's no doubt that it's hard, harder than ever. And as it happens for today's guest, too hard to continue. Alex Elliot Howry and her, and her husband, James Grant, opened Cornersmith in 2012. It's been through various iterations and Sydney sites over a dozen or so years. And in many ways, it's been a touchstone for diners and other hospitality professionals in the way it puts ethics and sustainability front and center of the business. So Alex, what's happening now? What's happening now is that we are, uh, I guess we're making a big change for Cornersmith. So we are in the midst of trying to figure out what the next chapter for Cornersmith looks like. But I guess the biggest news is that we're shutting our um, Annandale Cafe doors at the end of the month. Um, so we will no longer have bricks and mortar, but we are still having Cornersmith. So we're trying to now figure out what we do with this big brand that we built um, if it doesn't actually have a place that people go to anymore. Wow, that is such a big question to wrangle with. Um, and I can only imagine the swirl of emotions, not only of yours, but of your very devoted customers and of course staff that would feel so much a part of the place. Um, how is it all feeling? Well, I think James and I obviously have been talking about this for a long time and probably for two years, really, we've been having this conversation and I've been too scared in some ways to make change because we've been doing this for so long. Like we've been doing this for 12 years. Our kids was our kids started kindy when we started Cornersmith and she's just finished the HSC. So this has been like, you know, our life while we've been raising our kids. Um, now he and I, James and I both feel very... I think weirdly kind of calm or at some sort of like, it just feels good. And we were chatting on the couch just last night and I, you know, talking about the next chapter and I could just feel this little glimmer of um, almost excitement of like when we first, before we started Cornersmith, of this kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going to be next. And we actually don't really have any idea. So I think we've been through the big, hard, scary feelings and now we feel really good. Uh, we uh, haven't officially announced it yet and we are a bit afraid to because people still haven't forgiven us for closing the Marrickville shop like five years ago. I mean, people still come in really upset about it. So we're a little bit scared to uh, let everybody know. Um, and obviously our beautiful staff, you know, they've it's family for us. So that's really big. But they, they've been along on the kind of emotional journey with us. So it's not it's not big news to them. Wow. Well, I think, you know, so many people around Australia and especially in Sydney are very aware of Cornersmith and, and what you do. But for people who haven't encountered your businesses in all its forms, tell us, give us the Cornersmith 101. What, when did you start? What is it? What has it been along the way? Sure. So um, it's actually quite nice to talk about it because it makes me feel like it wasn't a big 
you know, like this, we're not coming to like a, a big fat fail of an end. I like to, it's nice to put the story into some kind of context. Um, so we started 12 years ago. We wanted to open a little family business where we could bring all the things that we loved together. Um, and James is from the hospital industry I and wanted to open his own place. I had been at home pickling and preserving and manically cooking from scratch to try to figure out how to feed my children well and do the right thing as a consumer and live in the city. So I was like a psycho and was like canning my own tuna and making butter and, you know, just being mental really. Um, and we decided we wanted to open a family business where it was, you know, good food, uh, good coffee, good vibes. Um, but also somewhere where we could get people thinking about food and the food choices they were making, not in like a preachy, judgy, wellness, anything kind of way, just as in like a conversational way. Um, and also get people to think about their kind of their place within our complex food system, I guess. So we just wanted this space to be like somewhere you could just engage as in have a coffee and have a nice time or somewhere you could go a bit deeper and learn. So I didn't know it at the time, but I think Cornersmith has always been an education space um, and everything that we've done over those last 12 years has had to fit into that framework. And you know, we've had multiple cafes, we've had a cooking school, we've had a picklery, I've written four books, we've got the preserves range, I do lots of consulting work, we've got social media, like all the stuff. But really, I think it's like good times, but it's also education. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time I went into the Marrickville store. I reckon it couldn't have been long after you opened. I had a friend that had moved to Sydney and excitedly took me to his special new place. And it it did feel special and different and, and inspiring, thought-provoking, you know, that you were using odd bits of vegetables on the plates and then there were all the pickles that were all around you. So I feel like it was very much a leader in terms of making people in the city think about what they were implicated in, you know, that we were part of a food system. And I think, yeah, you've got to um, sweeten these lessons. And you certainly did that with, as you say, like really good coffee, you know, really good feeling. And yeah, just, you know, you'd walk out of there feeling nourished. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think we set out to do what we wanted to do. But now I think it's time, and I guess, you know, it's nice for you to work, use the word leaders because it's a harder thing to say about yourself, but I think things feel so tricky now, not just, um, you know, environmentally tricky, like tricky in the world in lots of ways. And I think it's time for us to make the next change so that we are staying ahead of things as well because, like, the reality is, is it doesn't, you know, not our food system's broken, but I think hospitals a bit broken too. Well, that's how we set up this conversation from the beginning. And I want to really get into that because I think not only do people look at you as leaders in sustainability, but they look at you as leaders in doing hospitality sustainably. And if you're saying, look, it's just a bit hard to do that, I think that's going to really, you know, shake people, to be frank. So tell us what is hard about the hospitality side of Cornersmith. Yeah, so I guess what it feels like now is up and really up until COVID, we just were going. Like we were growing and we were excited and we were saying yes to opportunities and we also didn't 
I mean, we didn't have an end game. Like, we're not smart business people. We didn't open this business to be like, yeah, we'll be in it for X amount of years and then we'll sell it and then we'll do this. Like, this business is us and we've poured, you know, I don't even know what words to use. Heart feels like the wrong word, but we've poured ourselves into this and... Um, Perhaps looking back on it, we should have poured less of ourselves into it and made more strategic decisions. But I guess what it feels like now is up until COVID, we just rolled and it was exciting and it was fun and it was working. Um, COVID hit and that really changed everything for everyone and for all industries. I don't want to just say that it was HOSPO, but, you know, it HOSPO definitely took... A hit, and I think for us, or especially James, who was in the cafe every day during that time, it took an emotional hit as well, which we haven't quite bounced back from. We got really tired. It feels like a bit like it took the wind out from under our sails. Then once we reopened, we had to open on exhaustion, um, and that felt really hard. And then it's felt, you know, every week it has felt harder and harder to not only make the right decision you know, environmentally and to keep your customers happy and to, we're a really creative business. So to stay creative, um, it's more felt like we're in survival mode. So there hasn't been the opportunity to have the voice and to have the words and to have the, everything that we believe in because we're just trying to keep the business going, basically. Um, you know, the cooking school took a big hit during COVID because we couldn't there was no place to pivot. A hands-on cooking class couldn't really be anything else particularly. And we tried lots of things. Um, but I think more than all of those things, it also feels that while we and so many other businesses, but while we feel like there's lots of answers to do the right things environmentally, the support systems around it, so whether that's you know, where your food's coming from, how you're um, getting rid of your waste, um, how people want to engage, how much money people want to spend, all the things, it doesn't work. Like, so that system doesn't work anymore. And kind of having conversations about, oh, you know, vegetable tops, it's not, it's a little bit not relevant right now because the business itself and everybody's businesses needs, um, like we're back in the business a lot more than we used to be. Um, which doesn't allow time for creativity either. It's just kind of get in there and get the work done. So I guess it feels, I don't know if it's us that we're, I don't want to say we're old, but we are older than we were. Um, and is hospital a bit of a young person's game if you're still in it, like on the tools and not just overseeing it? Um, or does it just not, can it not just can it, can, does it just not work right now? I don't know. I can't tell if it's us or if it's the system or if it's a combination of both. Well, we want to, I suppose, investigate that. So we're going to chat to you today, Alex. We're sort of posing this question, which I suppose you've just eloquently done. It's like, is it you or is it the system? Um, is, so we want to hear, we're going to chat to people who 
you know, in some ways will agree with you. And we're going to chat to people who feel like maybe they've cracked the code in different ways. And to those who are listening, if you feel like you've got something to add to this conversation, we definitely want to hear from you as well. So yeah, message us um, and uh, on Instagram or, th- or through the email that's at the bottom of the show notes, uh, because we want to have a really robust conversation that um, tells Alex and James what to do next. <laughs> What do we do next? I don't know. But I do feel, though, that while I don't know what it is, I feel like we've got 12 years of experience, 12 years of wisdom, 12 years of, you know, trial and error. And we've really tried a lot of different things. And some things have been super successful and other things that I thought would be amazing that didn't, you know, didn't catch on as much. Um, So I feel like it's now this, you know, while it feels... A big decision to be making it also feels really awesome that where James and I are really determined like we're not leaving the hospitality industry Cornersmith isn't finished we're really determined to figure out how do we run a business and we run a food business in the in you know complex place that we are in right now and uh, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to figure that out. And again, hopefully um, it's something because I've always wanted to also, I don't like that kind of closed off feeling where you don't share information or you keep everything, you know, like behind closed doors secret. So I just hope that there's a, a building of the hospitality industry or food industry that comes together that tries to figure out some of these bigger sustainability issues um, together. Because it can't, we can't just be one man by ourselves. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are so many feelings that come up for people who decide to call time on a business. And, you know, it's sad. There's sadness. There's relief. There's shock. There can be shame. There can be doubt, nervousness, you know, a little bit of glee, hopefully in there somewhere. Um, you know, there are so many feelings. Alex, I think, you know, you said so much in your answer just previously, and I I want to go back and pick up on a few things. One of them is the impacts of COVID. And, you know, I think we came through it. Um, Some businesses closed, but most didn't. Most did hang in there. But then, as you said, you know, you gear up again on... You, but you're so tired. You've, those wheels have been spinning so hard for those those tricky years. And I just don't think we've really dealt with it. No, I don't either. And, you know, watching James, I mean, I was home with kids and I was writing a cookbook. So I wasn't in the shop like James was in the shop. He was here every day. Um, and he would just come home ashen faced. Like it wasn't, you know, we were we're in a small neighbourhood. Um, we weren't in the city. I don't know how people in the city, I don't know how you guys in um, Victoria handled it. Like we were actually in quite a privileged position. But this, the, the constant, like the brain power of having to figure out almost every day, like what are we doing today? Or this is changing or we can do this now, we can't do this. Or are we keeping staff? Are we letting people go? Uh, you know, are, are people getting sick? You know, all the things was massive. Um, and also I think James was, we had a little window that was open and one of our beautiful customers built us a shelf so that you could put the food down or he could put the coffee down and no one had to um, physically touch each other, which was a beautiful gesture. Um, but everyone wanted to have a conversation. So James became like, I feel like Annandale's therapist because we were like the walking route for a lot of people. And we got into this new system of operating and in some ways it was better. Like we didn't have table service. We didn't have as many staff. We didn't have 
to have a, as big an offering. We didn't have to put on all the bells and whistles and make that kind of magic that customers expect. Um, it was like out a window, have a big chat to Jimmy, there's your coffee. I think we were only doing toasties. I can't even remember anymore. Um, and in some ways that was great as well. But then as soon as everything lifted... There was this expectation that you go back to exactly what you were beforehand. And that was, I found that we found that really hard because, you know, we were, we were wrecked. We didn't even know if we wanted to go back to what we were beforehand. Um, And, you know, then trying to put systems in place that felt like, like actually QR codes would be really great for us. Will our customers accept them? Can we not have table service? You know, all the, all the little things that, um, you got to try and nut out. So, yeah, I just think the tiredness of that hasn't left us. But maybe young people feel different. James just turned 50. I'm in my 40s. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, look, there's something there's something in just like basic tiredness. And, um, yeah, so there's that. Let, you know, let's hear from people and see what they think. Um, since you reopened and you did gear back to that larger offering, what are the things that have made it so tough that have led to this being the moment that you say, no, enough? Enough, enough. Look, it's a combination of everything. And like anyone in the hospitality industry, they know everything is going up in price. We're also in a cost of living crisis. So people don't, well, we can't. And so we just can't keep putting our prices up. And we're a cafe as well. So people need to be able to, you know, they, they want coffee and they want breakfast with what they can afford, which I totally understand because I'm also that person too. But the reality is, is that you can't really make money from what you used to be able to make money on. And we're also really interested in using good quality products and I don't we don't want to cut corners and we don't want to go to just the cheapest offering because we can because you know I know what that means in a bigger in our food system on a bigger scale so it just feels to me unless you're tiny like a little tiny shop which is maybe what we should do again or if you are part of a bigger restaurant group I don't know how small business survives Um, And what I worry about that is that then we just lose diversity in the industry. Um, And I think that that's the thing that makes me really sad is that we will lose businesses that are run, you know, by people who are just trying to make it work in the hospitality industry. And it felt like you used to be able to have a nice life from that, whereas I don't know how to make that work anymore. Um, So, yeah, I guess I guess that's I don't know. Does that, does that answer that? Oh, look, it's it's a lot of answers, definitely. And it's certainly a theme that I've heard from many people that, you know, there are these tiny businesses that are, you know, very constricted in what they offer and that's how it needs to be for it to be, you know, hopefully better than break even. Or there are businesses that are using scale to try to, um, yeah, just like when the margins are small, at least to, to have more have yeah have have more going through through the business I mean have you where is let's I mean if you're okay with talking numbers like have you been profitable like how tight is it for you I think what's hard for us is that we have so many octopus arms so um and I think that's why we've been going actually for so long as well is that we have our pickles and preserve range which we amp up or amp down depending on where we're at so in COVID we our online store was just massive like we were just 
you know, pickling behind the scenes and everyone was ordering online, which was amazing. And, you know, I've got the cookbooks and I, I um, teach and I do consulting work. So I feel like it's not where in where are this kind of um, we've done so many things because of the education space. But no, the cafe is not profitable now. And that's a really, all those things that you talked about before, it's like, is this us? Have we fucked it up? Is this, um, a, is this okay? Is everyone else like that? I mean, what's lucky for us is that we know a lot of hospitality industry people and James and I get to have all those big conversations with other people who are going through the same stuff. So we don't feel super alone in this and it doesn't feel like we're just the losers who can't figure it out. Um, which is why I think this conversation is so important with, you know, bigger than just Cornersmith is like, who is making this work? Because there is this, you know, you do have to keep it looking like it's all awesome and amazing and looks great on social media and that's tough. That's hard. I mean, it's that's really quite devastating to think that there's a bunch of you sitting around talking about how it's not working and yet you're still opening the doors. Yeah. Because it's, yes, and it kind of works enough-ish and you've been in it for long enough to make it work and you don't know what else you are. I mean, hospo people are hospo people. You know that very well, you know. You know when it's like, oh, that's where, I don't know what else I would do if I didn't do this industry. Um, I mean, I, I feel a bit, you know, on the side of that as well. But, yeah, it's a big, it's really big. It's a really crazy kind of time and maybe it's been like in maybe it's been we've been here before it's just that I don't know that I haven't seen that before yeah you you know you spoke about that um one of the solutions that you or any other business owner could see in front of them was to cut costs and cutting costs in a in a food business often means using different produce. It might also mean not, um, you know, putting aside money for staff entitlements or it might mean, you know, cutting corners on, on wages. It, it could mean all kinds of things. Um, and some of them are not ethical or not legal and some of them are just not how you want to do business. Um, y- you know, you're you understand food systems. You understand, I mean, there's a bigger picture to why you operate the way that you do. I feel like so often with sustainability, it's, you know, it is like we're, we're bringing our one keep cup or our one shopping bag or, you know, putting our four bits of soft plastic in a bin where they'll just end up sitting in a warehouse and catching on fire. Um, I mean, how do you see the balance between responsibility for individuals and small businesses such as yours and systems? Look, it's not, it, it, I guess I always, you know, almost for the last 10 years, I've really thought that if you try hard enough, you can make change. Um, and I think maybe that's right. I don't feel like Cornersmith has been a failure by any means, but I do feel like, I was like, I really thought I could change things. And I don't, I now don't feel like that because I think it needs bigger systemic change. Um, and I think the for me personally, I feel this weight of that we can't do things um, in an easier way in the business because of everything that I know and I won't sleep at night. Like I just can't cope with it. So, but that doesn't solve anything. That's just like my guilt and perfectionism and understanding of it all. So no, I don't think it's an individual's responsibility. What I do think though is that raising awareness is everybody in the hospitality industry's responsibility. 
um, and whether that's to the complexities of the industry or to, you know, the ingredients that they're using or how to reduce packaging or whatever thing that people are interested in. We need leaders in hospitality, like all industry industries need leaders. Um, and I've always really felt really strongly about that, that we need, I don't know, like we've all got this one life and if you don't try to make change or have purpose, what's the fucking point? I don't, I mean, that's my, that's my bigger, my bigger rant. But yeah, I do feel, I don't think it's the individual's responsibility ultimately, but I don't think anyone else knows what to do. Like government's not particularly doing anything. Um, the bigger organisations, like I, don't, I just am disappointed and frustrated that I've been having the same conversations for 12 years. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 massive what we're talking about. So we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna grasp it. I suppose what I would say is, it's not that what you're doing or that what any of us does makes no difference. It's just that our individual actions may not be making enough difference to turn around this massive ship. Um, and I suppose as much as you know we say, well, it's not the individual's responsibility; it's society's responsibility. So we've got to then it's like, well, how will does our democracy work and um, exactly. And when does it end? And then you never sleep, Danny. Yes, but we do need to sleep because if we don't, we get too tired to run our businesses and then what are we left with? Exactly. So you definitely can go around and around in um, frustrating circles. I think what has been amazing and when I do look back on it is that I felt like when we started Cornersmith, we were you know, kind of swamped from day one. And that made me, and this was 12 years ago, before even these big conversations were even really being had. And I felt like there was this absolute magnetism of people already wanting to engage in these issues. Um, And so everyone kind of collectively came together. And I feel in some ways we started a little movement that was really getting quite a lot of traction and it wasn't just individuals. You know, I wasn't just teaching people domestically about um, food waste or about the value of ingredients or, um, you know, how the kitchen can be a really... um, I guess the kitchen can be there's can be a space for activism. Like it was also industry people we were t- talking about all those issues with, and um, you know, doing lots of work for councils and organisations. And I just felt like I could feel this um, momentum and I guess groundswell happening. Um, and I guess when COVID hit, that obviously had to change, and so that momentum has gone. And then coming back cost of living seems to be well it is it's more important in a lot I mean it's not and it is but that's people are in survival right now so is are the environmental things taking a bit of a back seat yeah but on the other hand speaking of survival um oh exactly exactly (laughs) Danny exactly but I guess what I really do feel is that we need kind of old school people activism coming together like numbers not just like me by myself over here being like hey we need to do something and it's not just me there's so many people doing good stuff um but we all need to like come together in one big loud voice I think yeah well uh, I think I mean, we've talked about you in Cornersmith being being a leader, and I think one thing that I've noticed over the years with you is, you know, you mentioned <laughs> the tuna canning days, um, and that you were, you know, very much an advocate for pickling, preserving, and you know, there were obviously like you know massive sustainability, I suppose, you know, um, 
credentials behind that. But then with your most recent book, Food Savers, you're talking more about, well, you know, how do we make the most of the food that we've already got? And I think it's definitely been a shift that you've led your audience through. And I think it's, yeah, so to the point. So I, I think, you know, without putting any pressure on you, I do... I do trust in you to, you know, to find the next thing and for it to be super meaningful, super inspiring and to, you know, and to really make a difference because as much as we can talk about our frustrations, um, yeah, you are, the, this business is so far from, you know, failing. It's, um, it's really exciting that, you know, you're taking the brand with you and yeah, there'll be, you know, thousands and thousands of people eager to see uh, what you do next, but no pressure. <laughs> No pressure. Maybe someone out there has the answer. I just need someone to tell me what to do because my brain stopped working now. Well, let's let's leave it there and we will now put it out to the audience to come to us with some great ideas for Alex and for all of us. Who is making it work? What are the hacks that we haven't thought of? Um, yeah, that Alex and James can apply to their next business or the next iteration of this business and that other people out there who are struggling in hospo because we know there are a lot of you who are just like putting one foot in front of the other but wondering yeah like how long it can go on um yeah let's let's get some answers for all of us um alex thank you so much for kicking this off so openly and bravely um and yeah i'm i'm excited for you thanks danny i'm excited and scared that's fair enough This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.